I want you to, uh, I want you to listen to a text here. First Peter chapter three, verse 15. Jonathan mentioned this in his class today, and I think, uh, I think it's great that he did so. It says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And he pointed out in his class that, you know, a lot of us have heard that verse all our lives, you know, be prepared to give an answer. But then he said, and he's right. The last line in that verse says, but do this with gentleness and respect. Do this with gentleness and respect. And it's interesting because we do, I guess this is my Bible. I should take it with me when I preach. Um, We are going to, uh, we're going to look at a passage here in a second that echoes what is in some sense already been done in the first part of Galatians in terms of, of Paul calling Christians to the gospel. Um, But it's interesting because what Jonathan said in class about gentleness and respect and being prepared to give an answer, I feel like we're kind of giving an answer in one sense this morning, but I always want to make sure that we do this with gentleness and respect. And it's easy for us, certainly easy for me, but it's easy for all of us, I think, to slip into not doing that with as much gentleness and respect as we could or should. And the balance is difficult sometimes to achieve, especially when we see things like this. Are we on there? Here's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, and we've already seen this. If anybody's preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Let them be under God's curse. That is pretty strong language. Now, Paul happens to be speaking to people who have the same background as he does. Maybe he felt as though he could speak more harshly with more strength because he was speaking to people with that same background that he had. But part of this is simply the fact that he wants so, I want to say vociferously, but you'd not know what I'm talking about. Um, He's so adamant about wanting to speak the gospel with strength. To hold it fast. To stand there. And so he uses strong language. Like Paul basically says, and I'm not swearing when I say this, okay? Paul says, God damn them. When he says what he says here in Galatians chapter 1. That is pretty strong language. And then he says this. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 12. Wow, I don't talk that way. Um, Kevin, you weren't here in the first service, but I said to the church in the first service, what if I was in an elders meeting and I looked at Kevin Clark and I said that? <laughs> like it, it, is, it is harsh language that Paul uses. And it's difficult, I think, sometimes for us to balance this harsh language with this gentleness and respect that is also there. But I do think we can do that. In fact, I do think it's really crucial that we balance it in that way. Well, I may not be swearing. I may not be using profane language in some way. uh, But certainly, I've been straightforward, I think, about insisting that we hold fast to the good news message about Jesus, just as Paul called for. And I I think there's something to this in terms of a parallel between what was going on then and with us today. It's not a perfect parallel, but I think there are some parallels. 
Uh, for example, it wasn't Judaism, of course, or isn't Judaism that we're mainly countering against today if we hold fast to the gospel. It's other pressures that we have to hold the gospel fast in. But there is some pressure, and we need to be careful. Now, have I overstated the case about the pressure? Maybe. I've wondered about this. And the reason why is because there are parts of the world where Christianity actually is doing really well. Like if you were to, for example, go into Africa and just look around very much, you would find that the church is actually flourishing there. It's incredible the way that the gospel has advanced by leaps and bounds in some countries. I've, I've mentioned to people before, in the 1960s, the mid-1960s, there were no churches of Christ, as we know them, in uh, the country of Ghana. Today, there are 1,200. 1,200. That's a lot of churches. And God is obviously doing something, and that's not the only place. South America, the gospel is flourishing in South America. In fact, the whole southern portion of the world, the global south, is actually doing very well when it comes to the gospel. And that's encouraging. The underground church in China is flourishing. It's multiplying. There are some really good things happening, actually, in China in terms of the gospel. And I know that even while we speak this, even as I'm saying that, there's probably somebody being persecuted for the cause of Christ in China. But there are some good things going on there also. And then, of course, here we have, I mean, we talk as if it's bad, but we actually have amazing freedoms here in Canada and in North America to be Christian and to speak the gospel. And so certainly in comparison to Paul's day, But also, in contrast to many places in the world today, we actually have it really good. Now, at the same time, I do want to make an effort to see that the gospel is not compromised to the slightest degree, and certainly not in our church. And here's what concerns me. And and I'm not the only one, by the way, who has concerns along these lines. There are some of us who talk a lot about the faith of our children. And when I look around the room today, there are some parents, I know, because I've had conversations with some of you, there are some of you that are concerned about the faith of your children, about the faith of your young people. The fact is that young people in churches in general in North America are leaving the church right and left in huge numbers. And there's not a whole lot of doubt about that. It's just there. And if there are young people, young adults, for example, who come to our church on a Sunday morning and they're here going to class or they're sitting in our auditorium uh, on a Sunday morning, there are some of them who have what I would call debilitating doubts about their faith. And of course, as a man of faith, that concerns me. Of course, if I'm a parent and I have children who have debilitating doubts about their faith, that's going to bother me. And so we have children who wrestle with this. We have families who wrestle with this. We have parents who wrestle with this. One of the things that seems clear to me as I start reading through Galatians is that we have a responsibility in our church to uphold and teach the unique, saving, good news message about Jesus in all its holiness, and in all its glory. I think that's the case. For today, the question might be, 
Is there anything here in Paul's words that can help us with the task? And I think there are. I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 3, if you would, verses 23 through 29. Page 825, if you're looking at a Bible that's underneath the seats. Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. And this really comes in two sections, two parts, but in one sense, it's all the the one message that Paul wants to lift up. Before the coming of this faith, he says, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So he's saying something about those who are Christians who find themselves uh, faced, in this case, with the Jewish law and with instruction from others that says you need to become a Jew first before you can become a Christian. And Paul says we need to, to look at this and do something about this. And the fact is the law had a role, but it's not that we need to be now living by the law. And so he says in verse 26 to complete the thought. So in Christ Jesus... You are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, the fact is this passage can be taken in different directions. I could probably preach about three different sermons from that passage today. Uh, I'm only going to preach one. We have a potluck to go to, so we've got to get there. And I want to focus on what I think Paul was really focusing on here in this passage, in its context, and that starts with the notion of freedom. Paul says here in the beginning, we have been set free. And I don't know if we can really appreciate, as Christians living in Canada, the kind of freedom that is there. Like, there are places in our world where people are not free politically. We get that. But sometimes they're not free uh, politically in terms of their own faith. They do get persecuted. And then sometimes people are not free because they impose something on themselves that prevents them from feeling the freedom in Christ that they need to feel. And sometimes I've gone there. I don't know if you've ever gone there, but sometimes I've placed uh, restrictions on myself or looked at, at the laws that bind me in Christ. And I'm so concerned about my own behavior and so guilty in the way that I've behaved. And all the while, Jesus is trying to say to me, be free in the forgiveness that I offer to you. And so if there's anybody today who is so overburdened by their guilt, so weighed down by the guilt they feel, trying to live up to some uh, impossible standard, I want you to recognize that you have freedom in Jesus. You do. You have forgiveness in Christ. You have forgiveness in Christ. Like this is great news, ladies and gentlemen. You have forgiveness in Jesus Christ. I don't know what you've done, but you're forgiven today. I don't know how bad you are. Only you know that. God knows that. But you, even though guilty, have been set free. The Bible says that you've been declared not guilty. 
even though guilty. And so we find ourselves free. I'm not a Jew, and so I don't have to worry so much about living by the law and being set free from that. I do have to worry about being set from my, free from my sins, and God has set me free. And I don't know what that means to you, but man, am I grateful. Jesus has set me free. Our freedom comes as freedom from both any system of belief that is dependent upon our efforts to keep it and from sin. And so those of you who are sinners, along with me, feel the freedom today, bask in the freedom today. Jesus has set us free. And Paul wants to make sure that we again feel that sense of freedom in Christ. Now he goes on because the freedom we feel is not just some kind of laissez-faire freedom. It's a certain kind of freedom. It's a certain freedom that is nailed down in terms of what we are in God because of this freedom. And here's what Paul says, that we are free children living fully as responsible children of God. Now he talks in the context, we'll get more into this next week, about whether we are heirs or those who are still waiting to be heirs. There are, in our world, sometimes five-year-olds or six-year-olds whose parents pass away. In some cases, there are huge estates that are left to these five- or six-year-old's children. They're not ready to take those in. And so what happens? There is somebody who cares for them in the meantime before they can take over that estate. Paul says, that's not who you are. You are now grown-up children in Christ receivers of all the benefits that Jesus has offered to us. And so all the freedom that's there, we have it. And we have it fully as those who are completely children of God. And so we have freedom and we have this blessed claim to being children of God. And, and at this point, if you're not excited by the things that I've just said to you, it may be because your mind is watering and again, you're thinking about the potluck. But Jesus has set us free. And God has made us his children. And the fact that we are free children of God, fully living as God wants us to live, is an incredible blessing. It is a wonderful thing. And if you're not sensing that, then I pray somehow God comes into your life and infects you with the good news that we have in Jesus. Because this is great news that we are free in him and that we find forgiveness in him. And that we are now called children in him. That's a blessing. Now Paul goes on from there. And he talks about this way in which we actually become children. Here's what he says. He says through faith based baptisms. We have put on Christ. Being clothed with Christ. And have become children of Christ. In a sacramental act. That joins us together with him. That envelops us with him. That's what he says when he says. We through our baptism have been clothed with Christ. Now, here's the way this looks to me. And I need a little bit of help here, okay? Um, could, could you come up and join me? Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Santiago, could you come up and join me? Thank you very much. Um, who else could I get? Ed, you want to come up and join me? That would be great. Um, who else could I choose here? Rebecca's not here, is she? Jesse's here. Jesse, come on over. That might be enough. Perfect. Scrunch in here, guys. Come close. Get close here. We're all close. Get closer. Here's what I think it means 
for us to be baptized into Christ and to receive his freedom. Take this and wrap around yourself down there. Give me, give me some on the end here too, though. Okay? Perfect. Now get in here, Ed. We're going to have to get closer in order to make this happen. Okay? All right. Now, this... This is what I think Paul is saying. We get clothed together in Christ. And there's a little bit of touching here going on. Like, have you, have you and I ever been this close before? No. I don't think so either. Are, are you relishing the moment? Are you happy about this? Oh, perfect. <laughs> Me too. So we, we are close together having been wrapped up in literally a cloth. Okay? And I, know, I think Paul means clothed with, covered with, enveloped with. When he says that we've been baptized into Christ together and we become one family together in him. And this is the way it's supposed to be. And so all this freedom and all this being set free for freedom, all the forgiveness that we've received, we get this together. And right now, because it's getting a little hot, we're going to disband. Okay? <laughs> Are you warm yet? Me too. All right. Thanks, guys. By the way, I thought if I'm really going to be you know, you know, doing this whole thing the way Paul talks about no male or female or anything, I need to have some females here, but was I not going to get a female in there? We were just fine the way we were. When I was a little boy... We sometimes went to the Oregon coast. And when we did, we went to the Oregon coast. It was like, it can be as cold on the beach in Oregon as just about anywhere. Like, you know, they talk about the wet cold and the dry cold, and some people think that's nonsense. There is a wet cold on the west coast that is really, really cold. And you can go there in July or August, and sometimes it can be freezing on the beach in Oregon. And so I remember as a little kid going to the beach in Oregon, sitting on driftwood logs with my two sisters and being wrapped up in a blanket like that, trying to get some kind of warmth into our bodies. And there was some body heat that got shared between those three little kids sitting in the logs we wrapped around that blanket. And, and the fact is, is that when we are together clothed in Christ, there is some element to that. Like, I, I don't want to make too much of the image, But there is some reality here of people coming together in Christ in a way that is mutually beneficial and encouraging and lifts us up. And it's our baptisms that bring us together in Christ that way. That blanket is Jesus clothing us with his baptism through his spirit, uniting us together in him. And Paul says when that happens, that on that basis, the walls between us are broken down. And I'm so grateful for that. There is no white Canadian. There is no black African. There is no Filipino. There's no Latino. There's no dominant maleness and inferior femaleness. There's no authoritative wealthy and no powerless poor inside our blanket. We all climb together in the same baptismal blanket that covers us in Christ. And in this blanket, we're all just hugging and being blessed by the community that we are. And God has created us that way. And so sometimes people ask the question, well, is baptism necessary? Are you kidding? Why would we even ask the question? 
Paul says, this is what happens to you when you're baptized. Why in the world would we not? Do you want to be outside the blanket or do you be inside the blanket? And I want the baptismal waters of Jesus to unite us together in the way that the scriptures talk about. And it's absolutely wonderful the way Paul puts that. You know, I said in the beginning that I, I don't want the good news message about Jesus to be compromised to the slightest degree in our church. And so I've said that we need to adhere to Paul's message. We need to adhere to Jesus crucified as the Savior of the world. But the biggest challenge to all of that, if truth be told, is not coming from outside. The biggest challenge to all of that comes from the inside. It comes from the erosion of faith that sometimes is present among us. And so we need to be those who hold fast to the gospel. Our faith and the faith of our young is compromised more by our materialism than it is by the values of those outside the church. Our faith is compromised more by our gradual acceptance of non-Christian values than it is by those outside the church. We're going to live such good lives among the pagans that they will see our good works and praise our Heavenly Father. And yes, we're going to do so with gentleness and respect, but we still need to live that way. And so we need to be the ones who shout about racial prejudice and fight against it. We need to be the ones who overcome subtle bigotries. We also need to be the ones who understand the life of Jesus and the way that he treated others. We need to live the fruit of the Spirit. And when we do, they will see our good works. And they will praise our Heavenly Father because that's how we lived. If those on the outside can so easily have a major impact on us, what's wrong with the church on the inside? I think is a good question. As an antidote to our own illness, what we need is Christ to love and protect us and care for us as we stand in him. And what's happened, of course, we've already said this, is that we have become children of God through this relationship of faith that Jesus has established for us. And this is what we need to live out and to be. And so we do have an international potluck that's going to take place in a few moments. But what I want you to do right at the end of the service, Jonathan, are you, you've got a song here we're going to sing in a moment? We're going to sing a song in just a moment. Before you go down to the potluck, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find somebody to greet. But I don't want you to greet somebody just like you. So if you're a white Canadian male, you can't say hi to all your friends who are white Canadian males. Okay? If you are a Filipino, just for the moment, I want you to ignore those Filipinos around you. And I want you to find somebody who is not like you. Not gender-wise, not race-wise, not religion-wise will allow. And I want you to, after the service, like as soon as we're done with that song, I want you to find somebody who doesn't look like you, and I want you to greet them. And then we can together go down and enjoy our our international potluck. Okay? Let's all stand. Jonathan, you want to come and lead us? As we end our service, this should be a time of commissioning. 
where we think about taking, I said this a couple weeks ago, I think, too, the easy worship that we do in here and translating into the hard worship, which is how we treat each other and treat the folks around us. Uh, And it's good for us to think about the city that we live in, cities that we live in, if you're not from here, uh, as we sing this.